You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. Good to see you guys here today. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 19. Uh, We'll be looking at that in just a moment. Um, I hope you guys have had a good weekend and things have been um, moving in a good direction. Our marriage conference was phenomenal this past weekend, and so I was really, really encouraged by so many couples that were here and uh, love my team. They've been doing an incredible job. Uh, Today is also a really special day for our family. My daughter turned 16, my oldest, Bailey, 16 years old. So yeah, she's, uh, if, if you'd like to donate a car to her, she'll be in the lobby. She'll be the really poor looking kid with a bucket. That's her. Um, now, I remember when she was in fifth grade at Montgomery Ridge, um, they had this project. They, they go through this U.S. history you know, thing, and they, they talk about the river systems, and they talk about flat boats. And so they give the kids a project to create a flat boat, and then you go to Sandy Springs Park, and in the creek, you release the boat. How many of you guys have ever done that? Uh, All right, if you've got a fifth grader, this season is you. You need to pay attention. And so my daughter comes home and she was like, Dad, we got to make a flat boat for school. And I'm like what in the world is a flat boat? And, uh, and she showed me a picture and what she had to do. So I was like, okay, cool. This is what we'll do. We'll go to Home Depot. We'll get whatever we need. And uh, got, got home, started to put this thing together and uh, made several mistakes, had to go back to Home Depot. You know how that goes, two or three, four trips. And, and so I worked all evening one night. The next day we came back, worked all evening again. We finally got it finished. It was sanded. It was stained. Man, it was, it was beautiful. And, uh, and, and so we were ready for the big day at Sandy Springs Park and show up there. And, and uh, I didn't actually realize, though, at that time when I was making it that this thing actually had to float. <laughs> and so I was like, it's, I just thought it was kind of like a model. And, and we get there in the creek and the whole thing. And she's like, you know, Dad, we're going to have to put this in the actual creek in the little river there, and it's going to float down. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sweetie, yeah, I know. This is, this is totally fine, totally fine. It's, we're just, it's definitely going to float. It had never been in water in its life. And, and, uh, and we get to the thing, and the first little drop-off is like this Class 5 rapid, right? It's massive. And, um, and like all these, you know, dads are there, and their moms are there, and they're dropping their boats in, and it's all fun. But deep down, all the dads are sweating it. <laughs> we're, we're, we're sweating like if, if our kid's boat goes in the creek here and this class five rapid like takes it down and it sinks, like we're going to feel inadequate as a man, right? You know, kids, little girls are going to be crying. Hey, Daddy didn't build my boat right, you know? So that's our deep, dark fear. And so everybody's, you know, put it in. And sure enough, man, boats are going to the bottom of the creek, you know? And so they're blowing up and they're falling over. And so we're sweating it. And, and Bailey drops hers in and it comes over to the edge and bam, it hits that rapid. And whoo, man, it took off down the thing. And I'm like, yeah, right there, baby. And, uh, I was excited, and, and it went all the way to the end, you know, and it was a, it was a great day. It was a great day, and so I look forward to uh, being a consultant for any dads in the room. 100 bucks an hour, I'll be your guy, help you with the flat boat project. Well, you know, when my daughter came home and said, help me with a project, she didn't have to twist my arm, right? She didn't have to convince me. She didn't have to guilt me into helping her, um, just like your kids probably don't have to do that to you either. Um, they, they don't have to like, you know, all oh, the other dads are building boats. Why can't you build me a boat, dad? You know, she didn't have to go there. She just said, dad, I have a project. Can you help me? And I said, absolutely. And we jumped in and we, we 
built the project together. And it's a lot of fun, you know, when you do that with your kids. And it's a great memory. And, and the reason why that's easy for you, the reason why it's easy for me, is because we build what we love. We build whatever we love. And so if you love yourself, you're going to build yourself up. If you love your business, you're going to build your business. If you love your kids, you're going to do whatever you need to do in order to build them up. And so my point today is, is if that is true, then we got to really begin to uncover what really motivates our love. Because if you truly are motivated by love, it's going to change your perspective. It's going to change your perspective on what you're involved in. Because when I'm truly motivated by genuine love, even in the midst of hard work, even in the midst of turmoil and sacrifice, even in the midst of all of that, I can still have a good attitude. I can still enjoy it. I can still have fun. Why? Because we build what we love. And so for us, as we close this series entitled, In God We Trust, I want you to think about this main point today. We're going to really kind of focus on this today. And, And the point is this. You can give without love, but you can't love without giving. You, you can give an organization money. You can give some time and some sacrifice to something. And, and you don't really have to love it. I mean, think about uh, Girl Scout cookies every year. Like, I'll just be honest with you. I don't mean to offend anybody, but I don't really care about the Girl Scout organization. I don't know what their purpose is or I don't know what their whole goal is. Uh, I've never been involved in it, obviously. I w- didn't grow up in it, but every year I want some daggone Samoas and I want some Thin Mints and I'm going to support that organization, not because I love what they're doing, but because, you know, I love those cookies. <laughs> and you probably do the same thing. Um, maybe you're a tag-along person. I don't know what, what, what your flavor is, but um, the point is this. We, we can give to things all day long. You've given to organizations that your friends are involved in because, you know, you just wanted to help them out. It doesn't necessarily mean you love that organization, but here's the reality. You can't genuinely love something and not be generous towards it. You can't genuinely love your kids and not be generous with them. You can't genuinely love the Lord and not be generous toward him. And in our church, there are a lot of people who I believe genuinely love the Lord. And uh, you genuinely love this church. And because of your love and because of your commitment, God has done some incredible things over the course of the last several years, and especially in the year 2018. And so I wanted to take a minute today to highlight some of the great things God is doing as a result of your love and as a, as a result of your generosity as a church, and really, really praise God for some of these amazing, awesome things he has done. So first of all here, what we have uh, done is online, we have d- uploaded our annual report. And so you can go to foothillschurch.com report and see all kinds of great uh, statistics and all kinds of great uh, financial reports and those kinds of things. So you can go visit that. I want to highlight a few things uh, today. The first thing I want to highlight is that our weekly attendance increased by 178% in the last five years. That's pretty incredible. 
you can see somewhere here in the five, 400s, 500s down there to now right at 1400. And uh, really the last two months we've been at 1800. And so God's been growing our church. God's been bringing a lot of new people here, which is exactly why we built this place. So if you are new, you're here because God brought you here and we prayed that you would be here. And we're so very glad uh, that you are here. And so that's incredible. Another great thing is that just this year, 1,627 first-time guests have come to our church. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, and you can applaud yourself for that because what that means is you guys are inviting your friends, you're inviting your families, you're sharing what's happening here at the church, and as a result, people are coming and checking it out all the time. And we ask people in base camp, how'd you hear about our church? The number one answer is, my friend invited me. I know so-and-so, and they said, hey, come to Foothills Church. So Continue to do that. You guys are doing awesome there. That's incredible. Next, let's not forget that in, on, March two, on March 25th, we opened up this facility. I know a lot of you probably started coming here since March, and so this kind of feels like you know, normal for you. But for me, every time I walk into this building, it's a reminder of God's faithfulness and your generosity. Like together, we, we were able to do this, and it's just incredible that, that here we are, you know, eight, nine months later, and God has truly grown our church in, in an amazing way because of your faithfulness. So that was a huge accomplishment. How about this one? 164 people followed the Lord in baptism. Isn't that amazing? That is truly Amazing. That's more people than we've ever seen uh, give their life to Christ and follow him in baptism. That's a 42% increase from last year. Man, that's just a blessing. Only God can do that. And uh, I believe he's rewarded us because of our faithfulness uh, to his work. Next thing here that's incredible is that our, our student ministry is growing leaps and bounds, and their weekly attendance right now is averaging 439 students every single week. Is that not incredible? I mean, if you're, if you're driving around Blount County and you come by this property, this place is hopping on a Wednesday night. If you're a teenager, this is the place to be. Uh, we've got to, you know, we've got to pay police officers to be here because the traffic and just, it's, it's just phenomenal what God is doing there. That's a huge 94% increase, which is incredible. One of the stats that I just learned a couple weeks ago is that in 2017, we were in the top 50 churches across the country in the amount of teenagers that were actually baptized. That's pretty awesome. I was blown away by that. So that was 17. In 2018, we baptized a lot more, like 20 more than we did that year. So I know that we're just going to climb that ladder. Not that that matters, but it all, what, my purpose in sharing that is like, this is a pretty awesome work that God is doing here. Right? So we want to celebrate him today for what he's doing. Um, in our kids' ministry, we have 537 kids that are here and active here. I mean, hello, we've got a lot of kids. And so that's amazing. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we're spending some time today uh, recruiting new volunteers for our kids' ministry because, hello, <laughs> brother needs some help back there. Um, so if you could step into that, that's incredible. God's blessing our church in incredible ways there. And our small group um, um, is, is, is grown incredibly, too. We have uh, five, over 560 uh, people involved in small groups now. That, that's awesome. And, and that growth, 60%, is incredible. Uh, Pastor Todd and his team are doing an incredible job connecting you. You are really beginning to believe that growth happens in 
relationships. And so as a result of that, so many new people are connecting in small groups. It's actually very encouraging and incredible. We sent uh, partners to six different countries this year. Uh, We went to Africa. We went to London. Man, uh, India, there was a trip there. Uh, There were just so many trips and so many great partnerships that are growing as a result of that. Man, we want to challenge and encourage you to uh, take a trip this year with us uh, in the future. Another great opportunity that we saw uh, together as a church is 394 mission projects um, this year in our community. That means that our small groups are involved in mission opportunities. That means that our church through Let's Go Week, which is happening this spring, again, you were, many of you were involved in that, where one week everybody is, is encouraged to go serve in some capacity in this community. I mean, that's, that's, that's almost 400 ministry mission outreach projects right here in this city. And so, man, what an impact you guys are making. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, we started a school of ministry, and we, we started with 28 students in this school of ministry. And we're so passionate uh, about this, and, and I want to encourage you to consider this as your next step. When we start in August, um, some of you have gone through base camp and camp two. You're, you've gone through camp three, and, and now you're ready for your next step. And so we want to spend time with you developing you as a leader. We talk about theology We talk about the Great Commission, we talk about biblical leadership, and then we help you lead in a capacity here in our church so that we can equip you and develop you. What's really exciting as well is not just helping our partners grow in leadership, but really this is also huge for anyone that's considering full-time ministry in their life. So if you're someone that says, I might be considering full-time ministry, the school ministry is for you. If, if you know someone in this community or, or outside this community, we can get them a host home. They can live here. They can serve here. They can go through this. This actually transfers as credits towards uh, almost every Bible college, seminaries. And so legitimate classes, helping you graduate from other schools, but getting the leadership that you need in order to lead a church. There's so many dying churches, so many churches that are struggling And uh, we want to help not only grow leadership in our church, but we want to send leaders back into some of those churches um, and and help them establish a healthy ministry. So, man, God has done some incredible things through this church in the last year. And so can we just applaud God today for all of this and so many more things? We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Man, as a result of of just your faithfulness, your generosity, your ministry, God has done so much in the life of our church, and we give God all the glory. We give him all the praise for anything that we could ever do positive for the kingdom of God. It's all because of him. Now, let me ask you a few questions. What would you call um, a parent that said they loved their kids, but when it came time to send them to school, said, you know what? I'm not buying you a backpack. I'm not buying you, a, you know, any pencils or any school equipment or a computer or lap, whatever they're asking you. I'm not buying you any of that. The government should buy that stuff for you. What would you call a parent that did that? You'd call them an irresponsible parent. What would you call a dad who didn't pay child support to his mother? I mean, he had the money, but he, he just wasn't paying child support. What would you call him? I mean, you, you would say that's a pretty bad dad. 
What would you call a Christian who says they love their church? What would you call a Christian that says they love God? I, I, I love the Lord. I, I love the church. I love what the church does for my kids. I love what's happening in my church, that so many people are coming to faith. I love that a lot of students and young families are coming here. I love my church, but you don't have a plan to financially give to the church that you say you love. I would say that that would most likely make you an average Christian. And I don't want anybody in here to be an average Christian. I want you to experience life to the fullest. And, and uh, maybe you're a new Christian or just kind of new to church in general. And, and so you don't see, you know, what is the value of that? But, but the reality is Jesus talked way more about money than he did heaven or hell. And for us, it's a huge part of our spiritual growth and spiritual maturity to be able to manage the resources that God gives to us. I started the series a couple of weeks ago with a stat that punched me in the gut as your leader, as your pastor. Now, I know a lot of this might be the fact that there's a lot of new people in our church, but at the same time, I think it's still eye-opening. And the eye-opening stat was that 33% of our people in our church gave 90% of the budget. So 90% of what we had in our budget came from only 30% of the people. That was about 234 families. And so that means that this other percentage of people, uh, which came out to be 458 giving units, <clears throat> gave the other 10% of our budget, which, by the way, was an average of $550 per family. So, as the spiritual leader of this church, you see that this is a spiritual issue for, for us. Because if, if the people that love this church, that love the Lord, and that are under my spiritual care as your leader, are only giving $550 to the Lord, you realize that you're giving three times that to your cell phone company. That's an issue whether you like pastors talking about money or not, if you hate the fact that this is our series or not, that is an issue, and you just can't ignore it. And as your pastor, we've got to deal with it. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're probably thinking, I don't give Trent because I, I, it doesn't really appear that you guys need the resources here at Foothills. I mean, you got nice things. This is a nice building. You know, it's nice stuff, and so it doesn't look like you need any, any, any of the resources. Some of you um, might be thinking that. I don't want to give to a church that doesn't need my money, okay? Well, some of you might say on the flip side, well, I've been to churches, and it was apparent that they did need my money, but, but I didn't want to give to them either because I didn't want to give to a sinking ship, you know? They needed to fix things up. They, you know, nobody was coming. Kids' ministries weren't good. Nobody was coming to the student ministry. And, and, uh, and, and so you, you know what you did? Instead of giving to the sinking ship, you decided to leave. So some of you don't give to a church that appears like they don't need the money. And, and then you, you might say that I'm not going to, to give to a church that's, that's dying or that, that does need my money. So logically, when you think about that, what you're saying is you never actually plan to give to a church that you're going to attend <laughs> because the church you attend either doesn't need it, appear that doesn't need it, or you're going to leave it because, yeah, they need my money and you're not going to give just because they need it. Think about it like this. Do you do business with companies that need your money or that 
are, are providing great goods and services. Well, obviously, you're going you're gonna to go to the companies that provide great goods and services, right? Why, why, you're not just going to donate money to um, Target. <laughs> you're not just going to donate money to them to help them stay afloat. No, you're going to go to that company if you think that they're providing good uh, resource, goods and services and they are welcoming and, and friendly. Why, why do you invest in Disney World if you've ever gone there? Amazing services, right? Amazing product. And so we, we will gladly spend a lot of money there because of the product that, that we are able to enjoy. And so my question is this, why would you treat Disney World and Target better than God's church? My question for you is, when your marriage goes south, when your kids are rebellious and you don't know how to parent them or you need help praying for them, are you going to call Mickey? Or are you going to call us? Well, I hope that you would call us and you should call us because that's why we're here, because we want to help. And we've got great counselors and great ways in order to help you in each one of those situations. So the reality is we actually do need resources here at Foothills Church, and we need them specifically because there are four open positions that we need to hire right now for our church in, in, in leadership. Not only that, but we need to buy land and expand our parking lot right now. Not only that, but as I've shared with you, we want to start a second campus in Knoxville, so we need resources to save up uh, over the next year and a half so that we can make sure that we're able to do that. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And so you say you trust the Lord. You say you love the Lord, love his church, love this church, so many great things happening in this church, but you don't have a plan to financially give to the Lord. So you can give without love, but you can't love without giving. So I want to share with you quickly today Three reasons why I think some of you um, maybe haven't given to God. Three, three main reasons. So here's the first reason. The first reason is this. You don't want to give. If you just be honest, <laughs> I don't want to give. I actually like the house and the cars and the things that we're doing with our money, and so I don't want to give. And I would say the number one issue with this is that you're not trusting God with your resources. You're just simply not trusting him. So turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 19. This is a great passage of scripture. It may be familiar to some of you, but what happens when we are not trusting God in all areas of our life? Obviously, God wants to deal with that area. He is calling us to surrender our life to him. He's calling us to give him authority in every area of our life. And so one day, a man walks up to Jesus. We know him as the rich young ruler. And he asks Jesus, he says, teacher, what good deed must I do to enter eternal life? So already his thinking here in Matthew 19, verses uh, 17 and 18, he's saying, what can I do in order to get heaven? What good work must I do in order to earn God's favor? I've got to do something good. What is that? And Jesus said, you need to keep the commandments. And the young man says, I have. Which ones? And Jesus says, love your, your, um, honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said, I have kept all of them. And then he said this to Jesus. Look at it in your Bible. He says, what do I still lack? What do I still lack? 
You see, what that question reveals about this young man is that he wanted to earn God's favor by doing X, Y, and Z. What are, what are these hoops I got to jump through? And then when Jesus says, okay, here are a couple of hoops to jump through, and he goes, I, I've done that. What do I still lack? And you know why? Because he felt in his heart of hearts that something still wasn't quite right. He had lived the religious life. He had, he had tried to you know, earn favor with God. He tried to do some good things in his life. But in his heart of hearts, he still recognized that he was still missing something. He was still lacking something. Something wasn't quite right. And some of you are, you're right there. I mean, you're trying to, to follow the Lord. You're trying to, you know, be a faithful follower of Christ. And yet you still lack something. Something's not quite right. And Jesus replies and he says this. Jesus says, if you would be perfect, go sell what you have, what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He had great possessions. So we consider him wealthy because he had great possessions. Many of us would probably say we have, we have great possessions you might not call yourself you know, rich by American standards, but you have great possessions. And so Jesus says, I want you to sell everything and I want you to follow me. And, and the young man had to walk away because he says that price is too high. I don't, I don't trust you that much, Jesus. I'm not gonna follow you in that area, Jesus. I can say I love you. I can say I trust you all day long, but the reality is I don't because I don't trust you with the one thing that is driving my heart and, and steering my life, which is my possessions, the money that I have. It's all for me, it's all for me, it's all for me. And Jesus says, if you're not willing to lay that down for me, then you're not worthy to follow me. Some of you have walked away from Jesus because of this issue. Jesus goes on to say a couple of verses down, he talks about how difficult it is for wealthy people to go to heaven. He says the reason, he, he says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to go into heaven. And you think, man, why would he say that? And, 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 and what's happening there? And he's saying your wealth is not going to be able to buy you eternal life. And the reason why it's harder for wealthier people to put their trust in God is because money gives us a false sense of security. We use money to to buy, you know, or to pay doctors to help us feel better, for lawyers to get us out of issues. You know, we have our house, we have our clothes, we have all the things that we need. And so that money gives us a false sense of security. And we don't feel like we have that great of a need. Therefore, we don't have such a great need for salvation or we don't have a great need for God to do anything for us because our trust is in our own money to take care of our needs. And so Jesus says, it's really difficult for wealthy people to understand their need for me. It's really difficult. It's really challenging. And some of you, just like this young man, haven't trusted God with your finances yet. You've tried to follow some religious rules, but you've not trusted the Lord with your, with, with your resources, and you've walked away. Now, some of you are there. Now, I don't believe there's a lot of people in the room that would say that and in that, are in that category. Um, I, I think there are a lot of people in the room that want to trust God with their money. They just don't have a plan to actually give. And so that's the second reason why some of you aren't giving. It's very simple. 
You just don't have a plan to give. You haven't thought about it. You haven't dealt with it. You haven't, you know, understood why. And so if you miss week one, go back and watch week one and, and week two to help you understand more. But for you and I to actually be good stewards with our resources, we got to make a plan. we got to have a plan. Listen, have you ever, if it, has it ever crossed your mind not to play uh, your utility bill, your electric bill? You've never thought at the beginning of the month when that bill comes due to say, eh, I don't know about this one. <laughs> You've never thought that because there are immediate consequences. Immediately, if you do not pay, they'll give you like a grace period of a day or two, right? And then your, your power is out. And you know if your power goes out, then your teenagers are going to, you know, raise cane because they can't, you know, they don't have the internet and they can't plug in their phones. And so you know there are immediate real consequences if you don't pay that bill. So you pay it and you don't even think about it. You just got to pay it. Now, one of the reasons I, I think we don't have a plan, plan sometimes to give or to honor God with our resources because we don't feel immediate consequences. It's not like, oh, I didn't give today on Sunday, and so I'm going to go home and, you know, I'm not going to have power in my house. It doesn't work like that. When it comes to our stewardship with the Lord, everything happens in seasons. And so the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So if you are sowing generously, bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. But if you are sowing in a stingy way, then you're going, you're, what you're going to reap is going to be few and small. When you think about what we have experienced as a church, if you've been here for the last few years, you've seen that we, we have given, we have prayed, we have served, and God has blessed. In the last year, if you gave to the vision offering, $432,000 given towards the vision, paying this facility off, and all the other things we've talked about for the 2020 vision. That's incredible. People sacrificially giving generously to see this facility take place. When we started this two years ago, and we were casting vision, why we wanted to do this, we kept saying, we want to create space for people who are not here yet. And so we created these signs, and, and they were stickers, and we put them on all these chairs and it said, this chair belongs to, and there was a blank. And remember, I asked you guys to, to write in a name, um, somebody that you knew, didn't know the Lord, and you wanted to be here. And so you wrote names in there, and we prayed over those names. We fasted over those names. We prayed that God would save people. We prayed that God would fill this place up. We prayed that God would give so that we could build it. I mean, all of that prayer, all of the work, all of the ministry that you guys have served in over the last two years, and now, boom, okay, here's the room, and eight months later, 1,800 people are here, 164 people baptized, and over 1,600 first-time guests. When you, yeah, that should, absolutely. When you so generously you reap generously. And so because of your faithfulness, just look around. Matter of fact, if you were baptized in the last year, you were part of that 164 people, can I put you on the spot? Can you stand up right where you're at? Amen. These aren't just numbers, they're people. And so every time we're investing and sowing generously into the kingdom of God, we see him 
blessed. Now, I know God is going to do this individually for you as well. And he's blessing you spiritually as well because of the principles of sowing and reaping. This happens in seasons, though. You sow in this season. This happened because of two years ago, sowing. Now we're reaping benefits from what happened two years ago. Same happens in your personal life. What you sow today, you're not, gonna, you're not necessarily going to reap this week. It's going to be this summer and the next fall and next year, and it might be the year after that. I don't know. God works in seasons, and so we've got to get a plan. Some of you aren't giving because you don't have a plan. The third reason why some of you aren't giving, come on, baby. They haven't taken time to create a plan. You know, this takes a little bit of time to actually sit down and create this. And some of you don't have time to go to the grocery store, let alone sit down and create a financial plan. And uh, some of you are so busy, and, and this is one of the last things that you might want to think about. But you actually got to sit down. You've actually got to create a plan. This is a discipline issue. So if you don't have a plan, you're going to save too little, you're going to spend too much, and then you're going to give whatever's left. That's called leftovers. Now, if you were going to throw a party tonight and invite your best friends over, and five minutes before your friends were supposed to show up, you said, hey, honey, what are we going to feed these guests? And she said, I don't know. Let's look in the fridge, see what we got. Looks like we got some leftover meatloaf, two, maybe three days old. That'll work. <laughs> throw it in the microwave, heat that bad boy up. That'll be just fine. No, you would never do that to your guests, would you? Why would you, why would you give leftovers to your God? Why would you give leftovers to the God you say that you love, to the church that you say you love? You can't give, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Let's look at this last verse here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. A couple of things to really notice here. The first thing we want to notice is on the first day of every week, okay? So every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money, okay? We got to figure out what that sum is going to be. And then he says, in keeping with what? Your income. Few things that we learn here. If you're going to create a plan, and if you're in college or you're a young married couple, write this down and live by it, and it will change your life. If you're older and you've not done this, you've overlooked this, it's time to make a complete 180 and get on a very simple plan and create this. And for the first time in your life, Honor God with your money and resources and stop stressing out about it. The first thing that we see here is it's on the first day of every week. So your giving ought to be regular. It shouldn't be sporadic or it shouldn't be leftovers and it shouldn't be, well, whatever I've got, I'm just going to throw it in the bucket. It should be regular. And so for many of you, it's going to be every week you're going you're gonna to give uh, for us, it's once a month. I don't think it has to be once a week. It can be once a month. If you're super disciplined, maybe once a quarter. But on some level, it needs to be regular so that it's not sporadic and haphazard. If we want to be good stewards of what God has given to us, then we want to 
we want to make it regular. The second thing that we see here is that he says, I want you to set aside a sum of money. Now, a sum of money simply means that, okay, we really do have to plan this out. I've got to plan what that sum is going to be. And that sum shouldn't change uh, unless my income changes. Now, some of you work in sales, and I know every week or every month it might be different. And so, you know, you're going you're gonna to have to deal with that every month. For many of you, that's just set every week. And so what, what does that look like? What is that sum? There ought to be a plan there where you actually think about it, and you begin to, he says, set it aside. Set it aside to be ready to give. Now, what we do in our plan is we automate our giving. And so thanks to uh, technology, we can set this up online and every single month that is given to the church and we don't have to think about it. Listen to this. We don't have to be tempted to keep it to spend it on something else, right? Because I know we deal with that. Well, we could give this, but oh gosh, we really wanted to go on that trip. Well, for us, it's, it's, we don't even, we're not even, I don't even want to be tempted by that. So we give and we make it automatic. We give online and that helps our plan. Now for some of you, um, it, it, it's also going to be important to go to your boss and say, hey, you're doing an online um, you know, deposit into your account. Just tell them, hey, instead of just you know, giving 100% into my checking account, I want you to give X amount into my savings account. And now you're really planning. You're really telling your money where to go so that you don't touch it. The third thing that we see here is in keeping with your income. So it's a sum in keeping with your income. And and the beauty of this is it doesn't matter. What I give to the Lord doesn't have anything to do with how much money you make. What I give to the Lord is all what is in keeping with my income. And the same is true for you. What is your income? So it ought to be a percentage. Talked about this week one. It ought to be a percentage. You figure out what that percentage is going to be, and then you begin to give in keeping with your income. We said week one that that first 10% should go to God. That's the starting point, always seeking to grow past that, but 10% should go to God. That's the first thing. That's the number one like step if you want to get control of your finances. The first 10% goes to God. The second 10% goes to yourself. You've told your boss to put that straight into your savings account and you're saving that money. So 10% to the Lord, 10% to me. And then I'm gonna live off that 80%. I'm gonna live off that 80%. Now you say, what about uh, those who have debt? Well, if you have debt, I would encourage you to do what Dave Ramsey says, the debt snowball. Instead of that 10% going into your savings account, that 10% should go towards tackling your smallest debt, whatever that small credit card debt is, and start knocking it out. Sell your nice car and, and drive, you know, buy a clunker. Sell your house and buy something that you can afford. Get rid of the jewelry. Get rid of whatever you need to on Craigslist so that you can attack that debt and get it gone so that you, then you can begin to save that 10% for your savings, the 401k, you know, what, whatever uh, you want to invest in to help bless your family and to grow your, your wealth to bless others in generosity in the future. The Bible says this in Proverbs 21, 20. And the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. If you are devouring all of the money that you make, and then you are then spending money on your credit card, not only are you devouring all the money you make, but then money you don't even have 
The Bible calls you foolish. I don't want you to be foolish. I don't want you to stress about this. Create a plan. Get a plan. Give God 10%. Tackle your debt and then give yourself that 10% and then live off that 80%. You say, I can't live off that 80%. It's too, it's not enough. A couple of things you got to do. You got to cut out the fluff. The four, four and $5 lattes, you got to cut it out. Um, you got to quit watching HDTV because every time you watch it, you want to change something and paint something and buy something. Um, whatever, whatever it is that's causing you to be materialistic, you got to cut that out to prevent that temptation from owning you. You got to stop using credit cards. Listen, some of you are, are, are addicted to spending money on credit cards. If you're in college, don't even get one. Use the debit card. Don't even, don't even go down the road that your parents have gone down and the stress that they have gone down. Don't even do it. Live by this simple rule. 10% to God, 10% to me. Live off 80. And if you follow that plan for the first time in your life, you'll be able to say, I am trusting God with my resources. I'm not stressed out about my debt anymore because we got a plan. We're working it. We're living our life. We're focusing and moving forward. God is going to bless. I'm trusting God with my money. And God is going to allow me to reap what I am sowing. And so that's why I'm challenging you to, in this series, to trust God with your money. And for us, I'm challenging you to take the 90-day challenge. And the 90-day challenge is very simple. If you have the card, you can go and pull it out. And if you haven't filled it out, I want to encourage you to do so. Uh, we're asking you to give God your first and your best. And if you're not giving, we're going to ask you to make that commitment. If you're already giving, there's a box there that says I'm already doing that. So you, you check that box. There's a box here if you want to attend Financial Peace. We can help you get connected there. There's a box here that says not only am I tithing, but I'm going to contribute to the Vision Fund as well. Whatever your next step is, as we've said, if you begin to give for the first time 10% and, and at the end of it, of, these, of this 90 days, you're like, you know what? This was a joke. God hasn't blessed. This isn't the right thing. We'll give it back because it's, it's not about money for us. It's about trust. Are you willing to trust God? There have been some faithful people in this church. And because of their faithfulness, we're here today. And genuinely, as your pastor, I want to say thank you. Thank you for giving. Thank you for believing in the leadership of this church. Thank you for serving in this place because every single blessing that God has given to us is a result of, of the faithfulness that we have established and are living together. There's a group of people in here that haven't been faithful. Maybe you've never been taught this stuff or maybe you've just been reluctant to take this step. And, and so I do wanna challenge you. Repent of that selfishness. Put God first in your finances. Take this 90-day challenge and watch and see how God blesses you. There's another group of people in here that are new Christians. And I know you're just trying to kind of dial it in. What is this about? What is Christianity about? You're talking about money. I've not heard this stuff before. And I just want to encourage you. Like, I know you're new. I know you're young in your faith. But this is a big part of what it means to follow Jesus, to be able to trust him in every area of your life. One of the last things that we trust God with is, is money. I want to encourage you to take the 90-day challenge. If you're not a believer today, you're, you, you would call yourself not, you, you would not call yourself a Christian. 
I don't want to ask you for anything today. I don't want you to, to give this church anything. What I would actually encourage you to do is give your life to Jesus. You see, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he lived a perfect life. And when he died on the cross, he was taking your place. He was taking your punishment. What you deserved, he took in your place. And so when we admit that we're a sinner and we believe in Jesus, when we confess that we're a sinner, he comes into our life, he forgives us of our sin, and he gives us the hope of heaven, but even more so in this life, he gives us life to the fullest. And the Holy Spirit lives within you, giving you power and strength to, to walk in the, the fruits of the Spirit and not, not live a life of sin that leads to destruction, but begin to produce love, joy, peace, patience in your life that you finally begin to enjoy life. You find true joy no matter what circumstances you find yourself in. And so before you leave, if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to encourage you to stop by the care and prayer room. Our section leaders will be here. They want to, they want to speak with you and pray with you and encourage you. And for the rest of us, I want to pray. And I'm going to ask God's blessing on what we're going to, what we're going to commit to today. And section leaders, you guys can go ahead and get in place. And they're going to pass the buckets today. And what they're what we're collecting now is our regular weekly offering. And then we're also asking you to drop these cards in the bucket as well. And so as I pray, you can finish the cards. Let's pray together. Let's ask God to do incredible things in our church as a result. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are in fact grateful, Lord, for all that you have done. God, we're excited about how you're going to bless us in the future. And I just know, Lord, that there are people in the room that are resistant to what I'm teaching today. For whatever reasons, it rubs them the wrong way. Soften their heart, God. May they, may they hear your spirit today. Help us to receive your spirit. Move us closer to you. For others in the room, Lord, you're moving them into a brand new season of life where they're going to trust you in brand new ways, Lord. And so I pray that as they are anxious and nervous, Lord, you'd come through and give them that hope and that peace. Lord, that you would bless them and you would show them that you are in control. God, there are people in the room that may not have a lot of money, and so what they're thinking in their mind is what little bit I'm going to give, I'm not going to make that big a deal. But Lord, I pray that in their mind, you would help them to realize that it is not about an amount. It is about their heart. And if they'll be faithful today, <laughs> there's no telling what you're going to do tomorrow. There's some students in this room, you're going to turn into millionaires one day. Lord, I pray that you would use them to build your kingdom. May they learn it now. May you sink this deep within their heart now that we are not simply blessed financially so that we can bless ourselves, that, but that we are blessed to be a blessing. Use us, God. We want to be about your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.